Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. You know, we come in here as one body, one heart, if you will, mind, and we come to worship the one. But how many know we have time for the one? Amen? We don't ever want to get to a place where we're so corporate we don't have time for the one. Amen? You know, and... Um, Let's believe for good things. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Well, you know, last week I was away. I was in Georgia, and I just want you to know it wasn't any warmer there than it was here. <laughs> so, but, but Peter for the last two weeks has been in California. All right? So, yes, I am jealous of him. But I was really, I, there's a sadistic side of me in, Peter, you know, in my dealings with Peter that kind of made me happy he was coming back to snow. Amen. Well, I've got to tell you where I've been. I've, I've been kind of all week, Lord, what, where am I to go this week speaking-wise, message-wise? i got several different types of messages. And, you know, I was just praying. I said, Lord, I, I, and I could never become settled. Any of you who ever maybe had any preaching or teaching or so forth, you know there's times where you're just like, I can't get settled on where God wants me to go. I can't get settled on what he wants me to speak on and what God, because listen to me. I've said this to our, our staff and other pastors, that anybody can preach a prepared word. In other words, you can go into the scripture, you can study it, and you can preach it, but not every prepared word is a now word. Sometimes there's now words that God says, this is the word I want for this moment and this time. Not that the other is a bad, but how many of you have ever received a now word from God that you know, man, that was a now word for me? And so I was just praying and praying and praying and, and um and my question is, God, but what do you want to do this day? What do you want to do today? What's your word for today? What is it that you would have me say to this body on this day? Um, what would it be that he would want to say to those that you know, maybe one day in the future watching this on the show, television, or those watching on social media? How many of you have ever turned the television on to see something that's a year old, but it was for you that day? It's amazing how God can do that stuff, right? And... Um, so what is it that you want me to, what is it that he was having me say today? And I believe today that he was telling me, he wanted me to speak a word of encouragement today. You know, I preached a couple weeks ago and I preached a sin message and I believe there was conviction in that by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but I believe today it was just that I want you to encourage people today. And I said, well, how should I encourage people? How should I encourage them? And this is what I believe he told me. This was the phrase that kept going through my mind. Tell them about a future day. Tell them about a future day. How many of you know we live in hopes of a future? Right? We, we live in hope of a future, whether it's, you know, our future in heaven. But how many of you, when you were a child, you lived, you lived with the hope of a future day? You went to college with the hope of a future day. You got engaged with the hopes of a future day. And on and on we can talk about. And uh, the future day will give hope in the present day. It gives faith in the present day. It'll bring strength, strength for the present day. It'll bring joy in the present day, even when things aren't all joyful. So I'm going to take a little glimpse. I'm going to take you to the book of Revelation. Everybody go, ooh. <laughs> right? <laughs> we've, we've made that, uh, we really made that into something sometimes. But at any rate, um, Revelation 7. I want you to turn to Revelation 7 this morning. And it gives us a glimpse of a future day. Um, there are many glimpses of the future that I can go to, but this is one I believe the Lord would have me use today. Now listen to me. 
I am not going to try to unpack to you today the mysteries of Revelation. I am not, you know why? I'm not sure I can anyhow. And most of the guys out there just have a theory anyhow. And I'm not going to try to unpack to you pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. All right? I'm not going to talk to you about amillennialism or millennialism. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to try to unwrap that. I'm not going to try to give you an eschatology, eschatological treatise. I'm just hoping to stick to Christology. Amen? I mean, you can't go wrong with Christology. Right? And I'm going to do that. And so let's see what we can unpack a little bit. All right? Um, turn with me. Revelation 7, verse 9. This is John. Now remember, John is getting a glimpse into heaven. All right. Chapter seven, verse nine. After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's interesting in that setting, what you see. You see God, who's the author of salvation, and Jesus, the purchaser of the salvation, and us, the purchased of salvation. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and all the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power. And might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in white robes, who are they? And where have they come from? And I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, and they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. And they will hunger no longer. They will thirst no more. The sun will not beat down on them nor any heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Father, this morning I'm asking you to help me bring forth what I think is a word of encouragement that you have for us today. And Lord, would you just help me to bring, part, I'll bring about what you want to bring about in Jesus' name. Amen. This is called a future day. It's interesting when you look at this scripture, John has this glimpse of this multitude. You know, it's going to be an incredible day someday when we stand with all the nations of the world in front of the throne of God. Every tongue, every nation, every people. I mean, it, like that's going to be so incredibly cool. I know, you're excited about that. I got news for you. It's not going to be filled with a great multitude of white central Pennsylvania. <laughs> right? It's not going to be a bunch of yinzers. <laughs> it's going to be... Everything imaginable, every person imaginable, with one thing in common, Jesus Christ. One thing in common. You know, I've been to a lot of places. Peter's been to a lot of places. Some of you have been to a lot of places. You know, there's a lot of times I've walked into some settings in some other countries. I had no idea what they were saying. But I know the Spirit of God was there. 
I, I told you about the trip to Hong Kong last year, most incredible trip I have ever been on in my life. I've never seen such passion and pageantry and pure joy in one setting in my life. I have never, I've told people on Wednesday night, when I was there, when we were praying for people, I've never seen anything like it. I'm, I'm 5,000 people rushing the altar, and I mean not just like being coaxed to come to the altar. The preacher says amen. It's incredible. And then you've got to pray, and you're praying literally in a sea of people where you can't move, and you've got to step around people and over people, and they're taking their hands, and coming up to you and grabbing their, your hand, and putting it on their shoulder and putting it on their head, putting it on their children's head. Just unbelievable, the passion and the, the, the desperation for God. It was just incredible. And remember the scripture that talks about Jesus and the woman with the issue of blood, how it says all the crowd was pressing against him. And he couldn't tell one from the other, but he knew somebody touched him different. I thought this must have been what it was like, because I'm telling you, I was pressed from every side. It was incredible. I remember Andre and the other guys I were with, there was, I mean, we're at least an hour into praying with people on the other side of the barrier, and they were waving to me, it's time to go. Like, How do I get out of here? Like, Why do you want to leave anyhow? But I had to pray my way out. Like, just literally, just, I just pray with people as I go. And I think, man, I couldn't even understand half of them. What would it be like someday in the presence of the king from every nation and tongue and people, and we all got one thing in common, one collective voice, one collective heart. It's going to be incredible. As I was looking at this scripture, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to talk to you for a moment about the standing of the redeemed. See, here's this multitude that was redeemed. They were the redeemed of the Lord. How many there today are the redeemed of the Lord? All right, you're the redeemed of the Lord, and the redeemed of the Lord had a standing. They stood a certain way, and there was a standing. The first thing about this standing was they had a white robe on their body, that they stood with a right, white robe. They stood in the righteousness of Christ. How many know this morning your sin was as filthy rags? How many know your sin was red? How many know your sin demanded blood? How many know this morning the Bible says that you, believer, you, the redeemed, you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ? And yet there's going to come a day where one day we're going to stand together with the nations of the world dressed in white. And how did that get there? The Bible says they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. It's kind of funny, isn't it, that you take a robe and you wash it in blood and it turns out white. Because that's the power of the blood of Jesus. Okay? The blood of Jesus would cause their sin to become white. You see, here's what I want you to understand this morning. The Bible here is giving me a picture, giving me a glimpse into heaven. And yet, I want you to understand something. The future standing of the redeemed is the present standing of the redeemed revealed. How many believe this morning you're, you're, you're cleansed by Jesus Christ? How many believe your sin has been cleansed? How many believe you stand in a robe of righteousness now? How many, have, how many know you have to believe that by faith now? That you have to, you, 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 you get that by faith in what Jesus Christ did, and now you believe by faith that you are viewed with a robe of righteousness. But the Bible tells me there's going to be a day where what I believe now by faith is going to be revealed to me to my eyes. I can't wait for that day to see with my eyes what I believe now by faith. That my, it's my present standing of the redeemed is going to be revealed. My standing in the future 
is the standing now through faith. I don't have to wait for that day to know that I am cleansed from sin now. That my future standing and my present standing are the same. It's just that one is going to be realized in the, with my eyes. They stood there. They're standing. They stood in a robe of righteousness. They stood with victory in their hand. They had, they had a palm branch. What was that a symbol of? Victory. Remember Palm Sunday when they come in and Jesus is coming in and they're waving the palm branches and they're singing out Hosanna and they're looking for victory and they're looking for salvation and they thought it was going to come to an earthly king who was going to kick out Rome. They had a victory that was in their hand. You see, this morning I want you to understand something. That our future victory, I mean, listen to me, that my my standing in the future victory is my standing in the present victory. Again, one is what I believe now by faith. One is what I have now by faith. One that I have now is real, but then there's a day where it is fulfilled and revealed to me in heaven. Look what first John said. John said this, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome our world, even our faith. How many know I don't wait until I get to heaven to have faith, but how many know I have victory, but how many know I have victory now? But I have victory now, but how many know there's going to be a victory fulfilled someday? I've I, I got a lot to say, so I'm going fast, right? You say, please do. You see, my standing in the future victory is my standing in the present victory. So they're standing there, washed, cleansed, in white, covered, with a palm branch of victory in their hand, And they had a cry on their lips. They had a cry on their lips. It was a declaration that came from their mouth. There was a statement that would come from their mouth. How many know what comes out of your mouth is generally shaped by your heart? Hmm? Eventually, the recesses of your heart will be revealed through what comes out of your mouth. You see... What was that cry? What was that cry? Salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to our God. Deliverance belongs to our God. You see, my standing now and my standing then are the same. That salvation, the the salvation I have today cannot come from my works. It cannot come from my money. It cannot come from my church attendance. It cannot come from what I wear. It cannot come from anything. My standing... In righteousness, my standing in victory and the cry that goes forth from my mouth is all because of one thing. Salvation comes from God. We did nothing except what? Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be. He is the one who did the work of salvation. He's the one that put the lamb on the cross. The lamb is the one that was slain before the foundations of the world. It was the lamb that worked salvation for you and I. It came from him. I mean, if it comes from him, you have to be able to receive it. You know, it's that time of year. My house gets a flood of people. UPS, FedEx. UPS, FedEx. UPS, FedEx. Amazon, 
this, that, who knows what it might be, in a package. Right? And they're probably bringing somebody's gift. Or they're probably bringing somebody, okay, how many know what you got to do? You've got to receive it. Somebody else made it. Somebody else sold it. Somebody else delivered it. I did nothing except do one thing, pay the price. And salvation goes, I don't even have to pay the price. I just receive it, the gift. And if I don't receive it, how many know I don't get it? But when I receive it, it shapes the words of my mouth. Salvation belongs to my God. It didn't come from me. It can't come from me. I have nothing which to buy it with. I have nothing which to offer. It is the gift of God. Remember, remember what Peter said? Acts chapter 4, Peter gave a little sermon. This is what he says. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. How many of you this morning, we believe that there's going to be people in this place healed to good health because of the name of Jesus? That's why we believe it. Not because Pastor Peter prayed it, not because there were elders, but because of Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus was spoken over people in need of a healing. All right? It says, he is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there's no salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. If you've got any other name to your salvation other than Jesus, you've got a faulty salvation. Come on, aren't you glad it's easy to find? It's in one name. You see, they stood, their standing was a robe of righteousness. Their standing was victory. Their standing was with a cry on their, on their lips. But then, I want to talk to you for a few moments. But see, this, this, this whole state that they were standing in is both a present and future. But it's the future that reveals what I believe in the present. But then there's a, what I'm going to call, the state of the redeemed. Not the standing, but the state of the redeemed. All right, you say, well, what, what do you mean? Well, let me, let me take you on a little journey. All right, first of all, I believe there's going to be a state of fulfillment. Do you know what I believe? Paul said that he learned the secret of being content, no matter his circumstances. How many know there's a difference between being content and fulfilled? In other words, I can be content with where I am, but not necessarily fulfilled with where I am. Okay? I believe as long as we are in this earthly tent that we live in, that there's always going to be a state where we're not totally fulfilled. Because how many know we've not become perfection yet? How many know we live in this? How many know we live in a world that is sin fallen? How many know we live in a world where there is evil? How many know we live in a world where there's still death? We live in a world where there's, uh, there's, there's some things that are lacking fulfillment. And yet there's gonna be a day, the Bible says, where I'm gonna find total fulfillment. Let's look at what he says, all right? The first thing he says is what? It says in verse 16, and they will hunger no more. They will hunger no more. Have you ever been hungry? How many have ever been really physically hungry? I mean to the point that you were gonna die. There ain't a whole lot of us in here suffering from malnutrition. <laughs> right? 
Isn't it amazing when you're at home with your grandkids or your children when they're small, that when they got the carrots and the beans on the plate, they're full. Can't eat another bit. Then you put the donuts or the candy out, and it's like, I'm so hungry, I'm dying. What do you do? Give it to them if you're a grandparent. (laughs) Give it to them. You want it? Eat it. I don't care. It's 10 o'clock at night. It's okay. You're going to your house. Right? The Bible says, you will hunger no more. That word hunger means to suffer, to be needy, to crave ardently, to seek with eager desire. The truth of the matter today is there are many in this house who are hungry. Not for food. I look around, most of us are well fed. (laughs) Right? Most of us are well fed. But many are suffering from want, ardently craving something. Some are craving acceptance and love and significance. Some hunger for a, and this is not a, I don't mean this in a negative way. Some, some hunger for a man to share their life with. That's a good thing. Nothing wrong with it. Some are hungering for a woman, a wife to share their life with. He who desires a wife finds a, finds a wife, a good thing, right? You're supposed to shout that, men. You'll get a good Christmas gift. You're hungering for money, but not money in a way that's greedy. But there's hungering for more to be able to do more with. Anybody ever had that burning heart? That man, if I just had more money, the more good I could do with it. Like, I'm okay with that. All right? It's a hunger that drives you. Sometimes it's to do good things. And sometimes it drives you to compromise. I mean, no hunger can cause you to compromise relationships. It can comp- cause you to compromise morals. It can cause you to compromise beliefs and convictions. It'll cause you at times out of desperation to try to stop the hunger pains of rejection, the hunger pains of loss. You see, but the Bible says there's going to come a day where I hunger no more. Hmm. In that future day, we hunger no more because all that we hunger for is fulfilled in him. Because everything that we hunger for will be fulfilled in Christ. Isn't it a wonderful thing to think about that everything I long for, everything I hunger for is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ? Because I'm going to tell you something. I got news for you. Once you encounter Jesus and you see him face to face, you ain't going to want that other guy. Come on. He's going to pale in comparison. She's going to pale in comparison. Those things are going to pale in comparison. My hunger pains of today are tempered by their satisfaction of the future. That there's a hunger and righteousness, hunger for righteousness. Hmm? And yet, how many know we don't see everything as we'd like to see it today? Has anybody here seen everything in their life that they'd like to see? Uh, He said, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you shall be filled. Hmm. It's not going to be here, or this would be heaven. How many of this ain't heaven? I know that you're seeing the angel up here, but you know, it's all right. Never mind that man in the front row. 
You see, the hunger of the present is fulfilled in the future day. Remember Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Jesus said what? I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. That there is a day coming on the horizon that all these hunger pains that you have today are going to be fulfilled in the presence of Jesus. You say, what's so important about that? How many know it helps how you live today? It is a picture and a glimpse of God's future that gives you the faith to walk through the day. Many people can't walk through the present strong because they don't have a glimpse of the future. Come on. He said, you'll thirst no, they'll thirst no more to suffer thirst. Have you ever been so thirsty you thought you were going to die? No, I can't say I've been there either. I was in India for two weeks, didn't have a drink with ice in it for two weeks. I was really suffering for Jesus. <laughs> it's not suffering. And yet I remember the first time I got a chance to get a drink with ice. I was like, yes. So the, the girl says to me at the hotel, would you like ice in it? I said, yes. She looked at me. I said, yes. She said, it's filtered. I said, yes, I'll have two glasses. Right? And that's just a glimpse. But hunger and thirst. Remember Jesus? He says to his disciples, I got to go through Samaria. He didn't have to go through Samaria. He went there on purpose. He had to go there. Because he had to meet a woman at the well. He had to meet this woman at the well. And you know the conversation, how it went. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water in this well will thirst again. Have you ever had one drink in your life that has satisfied you for the rest of your life? Nope. There isn't anything out there that can do that. And yet Jesus looks at her and he says this to her. Because let me know the waters of this world cannot satisfy the thirst of this world. The waters of this world cannot satisfy the thirst of this world. The thirst of this world cannot be satisfied by the water of this world. And so the Bible promises me there's going to be a day where my thirsting is going to be totally fulfilled, refreshed, and nourished. But it's not now. But it's not now. And so I say to you this morning, you might be here, and you might be that one who's hungry, and you might be thirsty. I got good news for you. There's a day on the horizon, a future day on the horizon, where all of that will be fulfilled in the presence of Jesus. You say, well, I want it now. (laughs) So do I. So do I. So do I. But the reality is... He's more than enough for now. He's more than enough for now, but it's just not the fulfillment of the future. Think about this. But Jesus said to her, whoever drinks of the water I will give them shall never thirst, but the water I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. My thirst of today is tempered by a future refreshing that is to come. That one day, one day, they'll never be again. The waters of heaven become a life-sustaining well to eternal life. Think about that. 
Jesus said on the last great day of the feast, what did he say? He said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Isn't it amazing that you drink now from the water of heaven, which is Jesus, and out of you flows springs of living water. And yet still, there's a future fulfillment to all of this. You see, sometimes you need to be encouraged in this present day. But one of the best ways I know about to be encouraged in the present day is to take a look at his future day. His future day. He says, what? Their their state would be a state of fulfillment, a state of never hungry, a state of never thirsting. And it would be a state. Look at this next one. And they will be shepherded forever. He will be their shepherd forever. That word shepherd means to roll, to govern, to nourish, to cherish one's body, to serve the body. Listen to me. How many know today we live in a world of corrupt government? I don't care what aisle you're on. I don't care what side you're on. There's corruptness all around. All right? It's a present day of corruption. There's a present day of peril. There's a present day of terrorism. Okay? A present day of all these different things. And yet the Bible promises a day where we will be rolled and governed by one who is perfect. but, But the thing is, here's what's cool as a believer. My shepherd of that future day is my shepherd of the present day. You see, because I mean, I actually can be led and guided and ruled by his spirit who lives inside of me now. Which requires what? The ability to hear his voice, the ability to use faith, the ability to discern, the ability to be teachable, the ability to recognize the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we are guided by him. How many know he wants to shepherd you on a daily basis? And yet, let's be honest. Can we be honest for just a moment? Isn't it easier to follow somebody that you can see in physical form? Depends on on who it is, right? Isn't it easier? I I mean, you know, that it's actually, even though we live in the age of GPS, it's still easier to follow the one who knows the way that's in front of you with a car. So who I follow now by faith, one day I'm going to see face to face. And he is going to be my shepherd forever. The future day will give revelation to what I believe by faith in this present day. The present day is a walking by faith, but the future day brings faith to sight. Come on, I mean, I'll call that. What I, do you understand? What I have believed always is, will be, and I see it face to face. How many know that's like, whoa. What I once believed for, I now see. Who I once believed in, now I see. You see, the one who governs my soul now will govern the world then. I got news for you. I'm going to say something that's just going to, you're going to just hate. Some of you are going to hate it when I say it. God does not rule the world right now. And I'm not, but God's in control. No, he's not. Stop it. 
I'm just like, oh no, he's messing with our theology. I won't go all there today. I'm just telling you though, if my God's in control, then, 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 then there wouldn't have been a school shooting last week. He's not in control of every moment, of every day, of every minute, of every hour, and every evil thing that happens. You cannot assign blame to God as being in control when evil perpetrates itself on a people. You cannot do that. He does not tempt anyone, nor is he himself tempted to do evil. We cannot go there. We must not go there. We are giving people a false theology that's saying that everything that ever happens in this world is God's idea or God's... No, it's not. No, it's not. Stop making my dad look bad. You see, I'm gonna, but there's a day on the horizon. The Bible clearly says, not everything is under him at this moment. But there will be a day. There will be a day where the one who governs my soul now will govern the earth in righteousness and truth. That'll be my future state, to be nourished by the shepherd, to be led by the shepherd, to be healed by the shepherd. And then he's going to do something pretty cool. This is, and God will wipe every tear from their eye. You ever pick that little one up when they're crying and you comforted them? Let me wipe the tear off there. Huh? Is there any way more heartbreaking to see crocodile tears coming down a little kid's face? Hmm? The word wipe away means to anoint or to wash, to wipe off, to wipe away, to obliterate, to erase, to wipe out. Hmm. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Man, he's a good God. He's a loving God. He's a gracious God. He's a kind God. You see, it's funny. How many of you have ever shed tears in this world? Okay, some of you are rocks. <laughs> some of you are, want me, Pastor? I never shed a tear in my life. I have. Might have shed some this morning. Hmm? But here's what I find here, that my tears of today are shed with hopes of a future day. That even in the midst of the sorrow and even in the midst of the tears today, I might have tears today, but there's still a measure of hope in there. There's still a measure of faith in there. And it's not based upon this present situation and it's not based upon this present day, but it's based upon a future day that he promised me the redeemed in the scripture. That I look and get a glimpse and say, man, there's going to be no more pairs. He's going to wipe it away. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. Ah, what a great future day. This present day, we shed tears of pain, loss, mourning. Tears caused by calamity. Oh, dear Lord, help us. Two weeks ago, that little boy in the Warrior's Mark hit by a bus, or hit by a truck waiting for a bus. Come on, man. You don't see some tears over that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> What's wrong with us? These things hurt. These things happen. Tears shed that are brought about by trials. There's a lot of things we can shed a tear over. But my God, there's a future. The Bible says he'll wipe them away. 
He wipes him away out of his incredible love for us. The tears of today will be lost in that future day, obliterated in that future day. It's amazing, too. You know what happens whenever you, you how many of you have ever cried and you couldn't see because you were crying? <laughs> right? It's like everything's blurry, all right? It's funny, when he wipes away that tear, how many of you know, even in that future day, you can be able to see clearly? I just think there's a revelation that comes with that. And then when you look at this, I'm going to go back to for a moment. That these, this is the redeemed standing in a state, standing in a certain way. And then that cry, that cry I go back to, that cry, salvation belongs to our God. Salvation comes from our God. It was a cry a cry from their heart, a cry from their mouth, a cry from where they've been. How many know this morning that you can set off that cry? You can give off that cry because you know that he's the one who's brought salvation into your life. You see, it's my standing in the future day that helps me stand in this present day. That when the going gets tough and the, the, the trials come live, and the tribulations of life come. I stand not because of who I am, but because of who he is. I stand not because of where I am, but I stand because of where I'm going. I stand not based upon this day. I stand based upon that day. I'm telling you, it'll make a difference in your life. My covering in the future day is my covering of this present day. My victory in that future day is the victory I rejoice in in this present day. My hunger pains of today are tempered by their satisfaction in the future. My thirst of today is tempered by a future refreshing that's going to come into my life. The shepherd of my future is the shepherd of my present. And my tears of today are shed with hopes of a future. Salvation belongs to our God. And then there's an amazing thing that happens in this portion of Scripture to me. There's an amazing thing that happens in this Scripture. But let me remind you before I go there that the declaration out of your mouth today finds fulfillment in the future. Salvation belongs to our God. Salvation comes from our God. How many know that's something you declare now that becomes a reality then? The future of the redeemed is the present of the redeemed realized. Come on, how many know we walk by faith right now? I mean, walk by faith. It takes faith to believe what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. It makes no sense to the rational mind. It makes no sense to the natural mind. I've got to do it by faith. Salvation comes through faith in what Jesus did. And now I walk by that faith, not by sight. But the Bible tells me that there's going to be a day where what I've done now by faith, I'm going to realize and see face to face that I will realize then what I believe for now. How many of you dreamed of the day that you'd get married and have a family? Nobody? <sighs> that could explain some things. <laughs> well, that gives explanation. 
Okay, some of you are just flat out lying this morning, okay? Okay, baby, I hope you do too. Praise, okay? Listen to me. You had a dream of what it would look like, and then reality hit. <laughs> That's why some of you aren't raising your hand. Wasn't what I dreamed of, be, Pastor. No, there's all things. You dreamed about what it would be like to have a family. And then you got to experience it in the reality of it. It was something you believed for until you realized it. It's going to come a day that everything we believe, we realize. And then this, we have this ability today to find faith in the present from the future day that's going to be fulfilled. Where does my faith for today come from? It comes from a person, but it also comes from a future day based upon that person. And then this amazing thing happens. I love this portion of scripture. They're crying out. They're washed. Get this. They're washed in white. They got a robe of righteousness. They got palm branches in their hand for victory. They got a declaration on their lips. Salvation belongs to our God. And then I love this. And then it says what? And all the angels who were standing around the throne. Do you know angels? The Bible says desire to look into the things that you and I have. Salvation. I mean, they don't experience salvation like you and I. And all the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures. Watch this. And they fell face down before the throne and worshiped God. I'm just thinking, man, they saw this mass of humanity, redeemed of the Lord, redeemed of the Lord, standing away. The redeemed of the Lord, crying with their voice, salvation belongs to our God. The redeemed of the Lord, standing in victory. And all of a sudden, they're what? Yes, amen, amen, amen. They were responding to the cry of the heart of the redeemed by saying yes and amen. Oh, man, that my declaration my standing in my state would be able to cause angels to bow down. Cause angels to say, yes, amen. And then there's this worship around the throne. That word worship, part of one of the meanings is it means to kiss the hand. When we worship, not just singing. I mean, we worship without singing too. But worship is kissing the hand of God. The next time you find yourself in worship, I want you to picture that. That I'm kissing the very hand of God. How would I do that? In reverence, in awe, in love. And they said, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I don't know why God had me preach this message. I believe there's people that need encouraged. That's why I believe he did. I believe he wanted me to encourage people. Listen to me this morning. The, the, the cares of this life. Come on, Troy. Everybody loves those three words. Come on, Troy. Because as they said before, that means it's only another 20 minutes till he's done. But listen to me this morning. I'm going to say this to you. 
Some of you have been downcast and some of you have been discouraged and some of you have been frustrated and things have happened in your life and you don't know how to get out of it and you've been trying to figure a way to get out of it. Let me say this to you this morning. You need to feed yourself from the Word of God. You need to get into the Word of God. You need to find out about a future day. You need to not just take this pastor's word about it. You just need to get into your scripture and say, let me read about that future day because guess what? There is a day on the horizon. There is a day on the horizon. You say, well, that all sounds good, but it doesn't change the present. Why not? Hello? <laughs> Why doesn't it? It may not change the situation of the present, but it will change how you go through the situation of the present. It'll turn your mourning to dancing. It'll give you joy in the midst of sorrow. It'll give you hope in the midst of hopeless situations. Let me tell you something. Don't you tell me it won't change the situation. The situation won't change, but your countenance will change. The situation won't change, but the words out of your mouth will change. Your situation may not change, but I promise you, your heart will change. It may not change the situation, but you shall be changed. Be encouraged this morning. God told me to encourage this house this morning. To encourage this house. But not based upon some feel-good message. Based upon the truth of God's word. Based upon what God says about the future. I can't wait to see angels worshiping God. Come on, tell me that ain't going to be cool. Have you guys ever watched Narnia? You see all those freaky things on Narnia? You say, well, Pastor, you're weird. I am. I've watched Narnia 422 times the last week and a half. And I get asked the same questions over and over and over and over. But all I know is that there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when all this world fades away and the things of this world fade away and that future day, that future day is like, oh my goodness. We're all, I mean, you see this stuff? 24 elders, angels, four living creatures. I've seen these things on Narnia. Like Liam says to me, Pappy, why is there a guy with the body of a horse? I don't know, dude. Just watch the movie. (laughs) I mean, you can't give an explanation to that. You can't explain that. You can't explain what a tumness is. I think there's things in heaven we can't explain. Oh, what a day it'll be when we get a revelation. Be encouraged. Be encouraged today. Be encouraged this day because of that day. Be encouraged of the day he's going to take and wipe that tear away. Be encouraged that the one who governs your soul is one day 
going to govern this world. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Father, this morning, thank you for your word. It's in your word that we find truth. It's in your word that we find hope. It's in your word that we find faith. It's in your word that we find encouragement. It's in your word we find strength. Father, we turn to your word this day. We turn to your word this day, about another day, about a day on the horizon that none of us know when it's going to be. But because we don't know when it is going to be, doesn't mean we believe it not to be. And so, Father, I pray that this house would have a word of encouragement this day. And that future day will shape the words and the declarations of our heart. And maybe, maybe even in the midst of it, it would cause an angel to bow in worship.